right. All right, my friends. What is up? Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another epic episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to truly understand how this movement came to be. And through that, we get some really cool stories, and we get to weave a whole nuanced, untold narrative of where we are going right now. So if like the whole industry and crypto land and Bitcoin is on this train, we are on the engine, on the tracks, following this like day-to-day, week-to-week, all the updated situations, but really like diving deep and understanding why we came here and more importantly, why people are building what they're building and how they're doing it and how we can all gain and benefit from that. And I'm really excited today to introduce my guest, Evan Chang, from Mistin Labs. Evan, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to be here, Charlie. There's a, a, a lot of really cool things that we can talk about because you were part of the team at uh, Meta that worked on um, um, all these different, the, the cryptocurrency blockchain initiatives. Uh, you helped lead Novi Financial and you were the uh, director of research and development. Uh, you've worked at Apple for a long time. And you really, really understand uh, uh, systems. Um, you led teams with uh, across various programming languages, runtimes, compilers, uh, really understanding like, and, and I, I have a lot of questions that I'm going to ask you regarding like, um, we were talking, I was talking to another guest last week about, about why he thinks that blockchain should not be programming language, uh, uh, non-agnostic where like Ethereum launched with Solidity, but uh, I think like Neo blockchain, you have the ability to have all these different uh, um, programming languages baked into it. But at the same time, there are a lot of limitations to to what our blockchain infrastructure can actually do. You know, we're going out there and we're building all these different tools and we're building, I'm getting pitched. So I'm the uh, a GP of a fund, uh, Drew Adventures, and I sit on investment meetings uh, for, for a few hours every day, and we're getting pitched all the time by people that are building products for for the for for retail, for NFTs, and for the metaverse. But I don't think we're there yet. I think that the infrastructure under the hood uh, still needs to be built out. A uh, lot of money needs to be spent, and we need to continue bringing on all these engineers and developers because they are building the products that we want to use right now, and we know our whole industry is very efficient. So Evan, I know it's a lot that we're going to be talking about uh, all these different things, but I guess um, to jump right into it, what are those current limitations that you see in, in across all over crypto land and what type of tools are you building to solve these? Because you, you've launched, you just launched, congratulations, uh, your first permissionless layer one. Uh, so it's really exciting. And you guys got a rock solid team. So, and again, thanks for coming on Untold Stories. Yeah, I love to talk about these. <laughs> uh, where shall we start? <laughs> I don't know. Tell me, tell me, like what, where your first kind of aha moment was for for Bitcoin, for crypto. You were working, you were working on the original Facebook teams. Is that when when you first discovered it? Uh, before, right? So, kind of got into crypto a couple of years before that, probably twenty sixteen. Uh, so. I mean, I've always been sort of somebody very interested in the future, right? How things change, how technology helps bring changes. Uh, so when I first got exposure to Bitcoin, Ethereum back then, I was like, 
initially it's like, I'm not quite sure what this is, but it's interesting because there's a lot of energy around it. So I dug into a little bit. Uh, it didn't really didn't take me long and at all to understand the potential, right? I get it. Um, you know, Bitcoin is this sort of a digital goal, uh, you know, transfer, you know, store value. Um, you know, I see the potential there. Uh, Ethereum got me very interested uh, because here we are, you know, here's a new platform, a new kind of a ledger or database, however you want to call it, but it's programmable and has the trust uh, kind of model that I immediately see the potential it can be used to replace middlemen or the centralized uh, kind of third parties that, that act as intermediary. Uh, I see that potential right away. But as somebody who's you know, I call myself a professional pain in the ass, right? Because I always go around saying in these big companies, I, I worked there for 16 plus years. I, I, I always go around and say, well, this can be done a lot better. Let me show you how. That's the way I like to operate. Bit of a maverick. Uh, so when I saw Ethereum, I said, okay, this is promising. This is interesting concept, but the implementation isn't there. This is not going to be sufficient to help, help grow this ecosystem into this massive thing where every application could be using the uh, this infrastructure, this ledger to be running a smart contract. Um, you know, I'm sure there's the ecosystem will make uh, rapid progress on this and I'd like to be uh, be part of it. Um, so giving, you know, sort of my background, building large scale systems and, and uh, tooling for everyone, uh, especially I have opinions about programming language, I, I, I thought, you know, I, I had an idea what, you know, sort of people it's needed to build these kind of infrastructures going to last us a long, long time, really foundation of the future. Um, at that point of the industry, I didn't think that I could attract the kind of talent that's needed if I were to go out and do a startup. Um, really? I thought the maturity level isn't there. Most people don't quite get the potential yet. So it probably would take a bit longer for people to come around to it. Do they get it now, though? Do they, do they get yeah, yeah. it yet? De- definitely, I think a lot more. Right? Look at the team I, we have right now at Vincent Lab. There's like, we're, we're almost 50 people across the board, top-notch people from Google, Facebook, Apple, uh, you know, you name it, right? All these companies, big companies, uh, and these are very, very senior people. They have had a lot of success in their career. People are getting it now. So they're coming into the space now, I will say in the last few years. It's very, very clearly people are coming in. But back then, it wasn't the case. Back then, if you ask most people working, you know, kind of a senior people in, in various industry, most will be very skeptical. This is going to lead to anything real. So, um, you know, in terms of the overall timeline, right, 2016, 2017, I was definitely not early. I was pretty late to this. Uh, but even though, even... When I consider myself late and I look at across my, my peers and everybody, people don't didn't see the potential. I mean, to be frank, even today, I mean, uh, some of my former colleagues will say, well, this is still mostly a scam, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a way to extract money from, from the gallopos and all that. They, they just don't quite get it. We, we have a way to go in kind of a, in terms of this narrative, in yeah. terms of mainstream understanding the potential. There's definitely like a, a positive and negative to it, right? At the same right. time. Definitely. Yeah. Any early, early industry, people are going to move fast and try to make money. And, and yes, there's always, you know, players that, that, you know, maybe cut a few corners, um, you know, so, so it's definitely very, very polarizing. 
So now you 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 guys all came over and you've you started Mistin Labs and you're building out essentially like permissionless foundational infrastructure for web3 and what that means is 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 infrastructure for web3 that's not owned by one company. You now you worked for these large companies for a long time. Why why the radical shift? Well, it's absolutely necessary. Um you know, I think there's a degrees of decentralization. I wouldn't call us like maximalist right everything everybody can run a node right has to be you know only running on raspberry pi or lap you know so on so forth but i think having you know not having one or a few big company controlling this you know the infrastructure is critical because it's, it's meant to be a public infrastructure again right what is powerful about this you know public ledger, right? Or you want to call a distributed database or a replicated state machine is, is that, right? The trust model. You don't trust a single entity. You have to trust two-thirds of them because the economic incentive, they're honest and because they're meant to do good for the world. Uh, so so that that is important. You cannot have a single um, entity controlling us. So yes, I I work for big companies and I, I, I understand the benefit of having the centralized model, sometimes you move faster, sometimes, you know, you kind of, you know, build better experience, right? Because it's yeah. vertically integrated. But also, no, that is not the way to go for, for something like this. It is essentially private sector building sort of the next, you know, iteration of the internet of assets. Um, it's a, it, it's something meant to, to move assets around, the trust aspect is super critical. Uh, so, yeah, so I mean, do right. yeah. we all we all grew up in the in in the iPhone era, right? And 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 remember reading about how the App Store works, and 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 if you use Apple as like one example, right. if it was up to Apple, I guess the whole the whole Web three or whatever we we call the the future, you know, internet that we're all using, the the experience can be will be controlled not for like like nefarious reasons but just because we, it's a better experience like i still use an iphone because the experience is amazing and i know i know that it's a walled garden and it's what i'm getting into but i like that apps have to potentially pass this you know this these tests and go through certain like qualifications and user experience type of things that's important but i guess we're all learning the mistakes now the internet that we've been all using for the past 20 or 30 years or longer isn't capable of doing what we need it to do. So now it's like the next step. Right. Very much so. Right. We, we enjoy the the user experience of these world gardens, but at the same time, giving up a lot, uh, giving up a lot of our control of our assets and the asset can be anything, anything you produce. Can you be your words, your photos and everything? Are you giving away that? Um, so it's a good trade-off, right? So, I mean, it's it's. I mean, put it this way: I, I think on the infrastructure side, the the control cannot be there. Uh, but on the product side, the product builder want to have more kind of a you know they have opinion, right? There, it's it's something they're building. They want to provide the kind of experience for the users. So. Some level control at in terms of user experience is fine, but again, right? You need to understand what you're giving up, right? So the amazing aspect of Web three uh, is you could still have that kind of experience, but not giving up the control. What is essential to you? 
you still have ownership of your assets. You know, Instagram, for example, if you st- you still have that same experience of browsing Instagram, posting, and everything, but at the same time you have control of your photos, your videos, right? That is what this is about. Uh, I'm not saying we're there yet. We're nowhere near that, but that's that's the vision. I could see a future where every photo you take on your phone be instantly becomes an NFT and stored on IPFS. And then when you're using like an, an Instagram type of application, Instagram now doesn't have to like index and manage all the photos because there's like an integration. Is that the type of technology that we're building out now? Well, I, 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 I don't think it makes sense for everything to become NFT, right? Yeah, but no, of the course. You should have that choice of saying, hey, this is something I want to own, right? Yes, I, I'll, you know, it can be created as NFTs, not on the public ledger, right? That's the thing, right? The whole idea is you, rather than putting something in this private box, where it's controlled by an entity, by a product, you move on something that's a public infrastructure, and then you still hold on to the key and say, okay, now private, pro- um, you know, platform and, and, and products, I give you permission to display this, but I, I'm going to take, you know, you know, the profit that generate from it. And you as a facilitator bringing me audience, you can get a cut of the profit, right? And that is, that is what this is about. It's so cool. It's like having rights and things like that kind of follow, follow across from like one thing to another. What are, I mean, what are, are, are you building are you, you think you're building products now and infrastructure for for users of like film and TV? Are we looking at NFTs for like governments? I was having dinner with the mayor of my of my city last night, and he literally we were talking sitting there talking about crypto the whole time, and the questions always led back to what can I do? Like what can we do? Should we right. do grants? Should we do like ready to go? They're they're ready right. to go. I just what do we do? There's a couple of questions here. What were we doing, right? So um, I think, you know, let's take a step back, right? A lot of people talk about, you know, I'm sure you've seen this on Twitter, um, you know, web one is read only, web two is write, web three is own. uh, And we talk about the ownership assets. But what people fail to realize right now is, right now, yes, you own these assets, uh, but what you're owning is read only. Right. NFT right now is basically read-only, so it's kind of limiting what you can do. Uh, what I mean by read-only, right now the NFT standard ESC721, basically you cannot really capture much metadata on it. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for it, right? One is because the, the, well, the protocol is very limited, right? The standard is very limited, right? So you basically contain a single URL uh, that point to some assets off-chain that can be stored on IPFS, could be stored in an internal database somewhere you're just pointing to it so you're not really that the whole asset's not on the blockchain it's basically the record ownership on the blockchain so that means and also because it's so expensive right back onto the blockchain right now so you kind of have to decouple where you store the assets where you store the metadata if that comes with it um so it's it's not really the assets not on chain so yeah, what's true li- yeah i mean the, but this is limiting right so you're yeah. seeing so token basically acting as sort of gatekeeper or tickets to clubs, Telegram, Discord, and all that. That is cool. But think about it. What if it's right as well, in addition to read? Then you can capture engagement, right? It's like, I, you know, now we sell, oh, you are visiting this uh, Telegram, you contribute all that. And that can Wait be- a minute. How does that... So, so sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is kind of, this is kind of cool what, we, what you're talking about here. So the current, like... 
the current, like everyone is doing the same thing and everyone's going to smile, listen, because yeah. they know every company in the space is, is pitching on like being an R and D minting studio or whatever. And so what you're saying is that the relationship of the NFT holder doesn't end once the NFTs minted per se, that there's still like writing going on and there's that it's kind of, uh, uh, growing. The NFT is, is evolving Changing. in yeah. real time. Yes, right. So, so think about it, right? When we're talking about new infrastructure for assets, it should expand the possibilities, not limiting it. So right now it's very limiting because the asset is basically once you mint it, it's static, really not really changing it. So think about the possibility. NFT as in-game assets, as the in-game, the game progresses, the NFT changes with it, right? You're capturing assets, capturing information. If I'm leveling up in the game, my character as an NFT to, you know, increase in, in level experience and all that. Why limit it to be static only? That's what I'm talking about. And that's because the current infrastructure doesn't allow this for this. If you, you have can create to create even like uh, augmented reality type of experiences where that's the relationship now. So it's like, imagine an NFT. And I would add, this would be a great example of like, Imagine if like your favorite clothing store that had online shopping and in, in person issued some NFT that it's your kind of like habits, shopping habits and your health and all these different things. And it was interacting as you're shopping and change. Like, there's so many things that you can do, yeah, but yeah. people would be more comfortable doing it because that data is kind of, I, I'm holding you it actually and choosing. It. Right, right. Exactly. If everything is on the public ledger, you actually own it. The only thing you do is you control the key and you have to say, Let's say the store uh, issue uh, a loyalty NFT to you, Charlie, and and you know you basically own it, but you give the store the right to update it when you're in the store, right? So they know it's like, wow, you just shop here, uh, you know, five times in the last two months. You are a premium uh, user. Here's discount, uh, right? And think about this, right? If because you holding own it. You always have that with you. Let's put it this way. Another retailer that could be affiliated retailer of that store, um, they say, hey, I see you own this NFT. That's your loyalty car. And you're a great consumer. We want to give you the same benefit the other store give you. Right? Ah, think about, yeah. Think about the power of something that is on the public ledger, not an internal database of some store, right? Imagine that model for Amazon Prime users. What I, what I like about this, is it, and it, it's it'll be a very positive side benefit. Is it'll create a more equitable playing field for everyone. So, the questions of like who is the person behind this potential like NFT? It's not that it doesn't, it won't be asked. It will be in 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 financials and regular regular you know things like. That, that need to be regulated. But when it comes to like shopping for clothes, it won't matter who the person was, where they came from, and all these like other type of prejudices. It's solely based on uh, the spending habits and the potential like debt repayment and your, your credit, your social credit, and all these other things, again, that you own and control. And I see that as like really, really like making the world a place that I want to live. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the technology can be abused, right? And, you know, you don't want to capture too much information on chain. Any definitely not personal identifying information because you know the history is there forever. If you leak it accidentally, you got hacked, right? There's oh yeah, good point. Reason. So you have to build it right. You have to be careful. But something, as you say, a, you know, kind of a loyalty card. You know, it doesn't capture your personal information. You you don't. Right, that's very different. Otherwise, if you log on to some store, uh, some storefront, have your credit card information, your address, and all that, none of these things needs to be on the NFT. Right, it's so only your spending habits, uh, anonymized. For example, just saying, "Hey, this is a shopper that you know spend you know in this tier." For example, right? There's yeah. a lot of way you can build it this right. Uh, again, right? That's potential. The infrastructure just the tooling needs to be there. So we have up until this point over the last 10 years, we've had this sort of like, and so pre ERC 721, ERC 1155, which were like kind of the the first few standards for, for what I call now like smart tokens, just when I'm explaining it to, to people who have never really, who are not in the industry up until now, we've had these kind of like dumb tokens, if you will, you'd see a project launch. Uh, a, a billion of them, 100 million. Bitcoin has 21 million. Ethereum has a hard cap. It did, it didn't. I'm not really sure at the moment. I think it was introduced, but I'm not sure if it passed. I don't, I'm not honestly up to speed on like the Ethereum local politics. Although it'd be so cool if someone started like a news agency just of the like the, the in, in blockchain kind of like voting governance and politics that kind of goes on. But so you have, going back to my question, you have like the, the dumb tokens. And then we've had this now. It's like a, a uh, we're moving into this world of all smart tokens and what we now know, know them as, as NFTs. And I have this like thesis that most blockchains in the future, most tokens in the future will be made up of like the, of NFTs. You will have the, the dumb token, mo- the dumb token model of the, mm-hmm. of the past will kind of stay in the past. And you'll see these blockchains and even governance tokens will be some variation of like, an NFT, whether it's like across multiple EVMs or it's uh, uh, through like a Cosmos ecosystem type of thing, you could do really cool things. And you're probably like, "What's my question?" Um, what I'm getting to is stable coins. You worked on on the on the uh, the stable coin for for Facebook for Meta that was launched a DM, and I'm a big fan of stable coins, and I think it really powers the our whole crypto land today. But stable coins are pretty much dumb tokens, right? One-to-one. How do you think algorithmic stablecoins are going to work? What will be the relationship between stablecoins and NFTs? What's the future of this? Um, so the way we're looking at things is there's no, you know, yes, there's fungible and non-fungible tokens, right? But ultimately, everything just assets. Uh, I don't know what the relationship with stable coins and NFTs are um, are at this point. Um, you could use NFTs um, to represent anything. That's the point I was trying to make for. So maybe it will be an NFT that was embedded a value in, inside it. So it has, um, you know, kind of a stable coin value, uh, one US dollars in addition to some assets, right? You know, the way you should think about it is NFTs should be more structured object that can wrap anything into it, inside it and can be composable. So, you know, we shouldn't restrict our thinking to, you know, just ERC-721 type of NFTs. That's what I'm I'm saying. So if you broaden your the concept of NFT to be anything, 
any any asset that you can represent with with some structure type, then you realize, well, the sky is the limit. You can do anything, uh, represent any kind of asset on chain. So maybe rapid stablecoin, uh, maybe it's you know represent some kind of other assets. Maybe represent assets with changes over time as you you utilize them. Um, you know, so so this is a this is not a question. I think I have a a, a clear answer. Uh, yeah. Right now, right now, we just need to provide sort of the possibility of experimenting and building this kind of product and see. Um, people are so creative, right? You giving a, 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 a you know the tools to build anything they want. They're going to create them. Uh, we'll see what sort of new type of stable coin that's going to come out. Um, you know, maybe it's you know based you know backed by different kind of assets, not just. US dollars or fiat currency could be backed by art, uh, could be backed by, you know, commodity or any kind of other kind of assets. So I want to talk about um, your your blockchain and and some of the bottlenecks that you think exist, and and maybe you can kind of teach the listeners about how there's you know when it comes to uh, all blockchains, especially from Bitcoin, how consensus is reached. When it comes to uh, 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 all transactions happening in real time, it's you know you have ten minute blocks. You can have uh, twenty one second blocks like Ethereum, but that model you think is is fundamentally flawed, correct? So here's the way you think about: it. take a step back, right? Conceptually, if you have two assets, let's say there's two NFTs, NFT one, NFT two, they're completely disjoint. There's no overlap between them. Right, one is a board ape NFT. One is uh, some other, I don't know, music NFT. Now you have a whole bunch of transaction. Let's say you know query and modify object one. The whole bunch of transaction, query and modify object two. They all happen. Now they are because they all issue in this uh, you know kind of a time period together. They form the same block. They've been in order. Think about that for a second. Why do you care about the ordering between them? There's a zero contention between them. So you know, you're it's just... like if I'm if I have my NFT of a board ape or whatever future variation, and I want to I want to join a game with and and turn my my identity, which across this this NFT has my identity across multiple other other like mediums and avenues and other games and shopping and real life stuff and could be related to my school maybe my teacher has to allow me to even play the game that night or whatever it is or my parents everything is a transaction everything is a transaction on chain right and that's doesn't need to be it, it, that, that's not point right i think the, the the point is right the whole this whole global consensus model where you're ordering a whole bunch of transactions in the same block think about it for a second vast majority of these transactions have nothing to do with each other they're not writing through the same memory if you model them correctly. They're not touching the same resource. You shouldn't care about the ordering between them. So this is wasteful. Um, so, so far, the blockchain industry hasn't figured out a way to be able to parallelize this process of ordering transactions relative to each other. Right? There's they get a cost- ordered later? No, I mean, right now, the model is they order, you know, you know doing this consensus Right. Kind yeah, of in real, basic real time. But yeah. how does it work with you? So basically, our model is everything is paralyzed. We paralyze the ordering of things, right? So 
object one, object two, object three, you 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 know kind of basically all the transactions modifying it. That there you have a natural ordering of dependency. So we're ordering, we're we're paralyzing the ordering process for the trans for for the transactions that modify owned object, right? If any object has a single owner, then you know only that owner has the right to modify it. So that's the key thing. So we're paralyzing ordering. For the other kinds of transaction, let's say you're doing an auction, a bidding on the same object. Um, so you can have- Oh yeah, that's a good one. You have multiple accounts issuing transaction on the same object. So these objects are not owned. They're shared among multiple accounts. Only in those cases, all the transactions that targeting the same object need to be ordered. But now you don't need to do this global ordering of all the transactions that's not related to each other. So the trick is only order the transaction that have relationship with each other. So, but you know, because the way we model assets on chain, everything is a distinct object, you can tell the you know, sort of the relationship between them trivially. Uh so the Sort of because the programming model, the op, the data model, enforce it. So this allows us to basically parallelize, uh, you know, kind of this ordering process at a much finer grain granularity, and that's why you can have this kind of horizontal linear scaling. I think I'm 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 wrapping my head around how it works and kind of like the use cases of it. Um, are you able to? Are you a, are are the parallel uh, are the parallel processes, the parallel transactions that are happening, are they, is, are they being kind of timestamped so you can check if you wanted to, like, how do you do, how do you timestamp? How do you uh, uh, validate across the whole network? So, so our blockchain is very different. We're tracking the progression or the changes related to each object. Then at every epoch, uh, when it's off the critical path, Basically, they will construct the state just like other blockchains. So in the end, oh. there will be blocks, but we're moving it off the critical path. So, so the you know, it's very very computation intensive. Oh, that's very cool though. Yeah. When is that epoch? How often? Uh, TBD, but you know, it could be you know we can define arbitrary time that makes sense for the system. Uh, so that's something we'll we'll release more information about. But it's not you know it's not something you wait a long time for. Right. So, but at the epoch stage, right. So, so we form this, the states and you can query that. The key thing here is that makes querying states cheap that optimize, you know, kind of for querying. Uh, during the issuing of transactions, uh, we optimize for writing things onto the blockchain, right? We're tracking the progression of the, the state changes of objects, uh, very efficiently by moving a whale. By parallelizing all the agreements, but by moving the computation of states, you know, off the critical path, this enable quite a few different things about with the blockchain. As I mentioned, it's completely parallelizable now, so we can basically linearly scale the system. Uh, we we demonstrate with if each validator runs a MacBook Pro right now, consumer grade machine, we can do 120,000 transactions per second. So AWS is, you know, with a bigger machine, this goes to the hundreds and thousands. And if you add additional machines, it scales linearly up. So, and then uh, also because we're moving all these computation of the Merkle trees and all these kind of expensive state off the critical path, 
we now have a system that can allow you to store on-chain and very cheap, and it's also linearly scalable. So these plus the very high-speed uh, finalities, the sub-second plus the object model allow you to do all the things we're just talking about, right? Dropping NFTs to everybody because now you can store millions of objects on-chain and all these objects and represent, um, you know, things that have structure to them, you can write back to them. Um, so so that that's a very fundamentally very different. Yeah. What, what will be the relationship between this blockchain and other blockchains? Are you building in SDKs to have cross-chain compatibility and things like that? So, yes. Um, so we will build bridges uh, for ESC's 20 type of tokens because it's important. Uh, for 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 you know people to be able to move assets, yeah. uh, but the other thing we have already done is uh, something we call echo. Uh, think of way as sort of you know if you have a board ape on Ethereum, you want to you would say hey wouldn't it be cool if I can bring that boy as my avatar into a game and play it. We already demonstrate this. We have a protocol that could do called Sweet Echo. Basically, you go to this portal, you say. Basically, make a create a double ganger for this, um, but the the point is now create this new NFT on our blockchain. It's a wait, what's object. this called? I want to check this out. Is there a portal now? Uh, it's called Sweet. It's if you go to the Sweet.io, S-U-I.io, you'll see the example of the game. I don't know uh, off the top of my head if it's like open to everyone right now. Right now, yeah. If you look at the uh, the gating, you know, if you go to so the the docs.suite.io and you go sort of explore pro, uh, prototype, oh, yeah. this is really see cool. the examples. You'll see that we have uh, you know games. There's a Panzer Dog X SU Suite kind of example. You see a video of this example how the portal works. Uh, you can do a sweet echo. Oh yeah, this is so cool. Right, and I, I, I basically echo. say, here's my boy Abe. Go bring that into your game. You create this new NFT that you can actually write back to. Right, as a as a game progresses, you can say you now level up, or you have so many kills in the game, or how many times you won and lost. So it's basically more, you know, sort of like a, a shadow of. The, the original thing, except it's much bigger and much more powerful. It's but this is what we're talking about. Like this right. is the this is the type of stuff that we need to see in the future, and that relationship is definitely. Right. This is really cool because then, so it constantly writes to it, and then can you can you write if you're the owner of that? Can you write back to the NFT? How does that no, work? No, no, you you cannot give the owner arbitrary rights to you know, make updates to something like this. Otherwise, they're just going to cheat in the game, right? Think about it yeah. as a game assets, RPG. I'm just going to level up my guy to 99 and done, right? Uh, no. So basically, when you create the NFT, the, the program basically specify who has a right to modify it. So the owner have to say, here's a key. I give you the game engine the right to modify it. But in this case, the, the, the you know, when you create this, the, they say the Panzer Dock, uh, is though, yeah. The game engine is the only one that has the rights to modify it. But now imagine this: imagine it's not just Panther Dog. Imagine say 
anybody from the Lucky Cat Studio, any property of the Lucky Cat Studio can modify this. Now, after you finish using this in the, not even finish, why? Because you own this NFT, all right, it's on the public ledger. So you can bring that into the, you know, TensorDog to play it, but you, maybe Lucky Cat also uh, kind of build a, a mini game on their website saying, imagine our next games are coming and you can bring the same NFT to interact with the new, the new game we're publishing. And just show you an example of this in the website as a mini yeah. game. Now all of a sudden you can bring one asset from one game, one product to something else, to another product. Uh, so you can engage with your fans in a different way. You can you know, show them a preview, a new game, and, and, and see how your character you know, would look like in that game. So again, opening up the possibility just by moving something that's Pretty stuck in this private box. This is a game. That's a private box. Move from internal inside the game to a public ledger. And now, now all of a sudden you own it outright. And and you know, opens up all kinds of possibilities. Yeah, I mean you crazy possibilities because because uh it's been like 150 episodes since we've talked about the singularity, but it always comes back to that. But yeah, essentially. You have applications that can effect- effectively, if they can start learning learning data faster than than we can. Where does that lead us? Yeah, uh, it's a lot of possibility, right? Again, you know, just remember it's not that scary because the owner of the asset has control, right? You can just say no, right? You 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 know, ultimately the the security of your assets is important. The control is very important. Um, but but you know what we can do, for example. Uh, if you have a non-playable character represented as NFT, uh, and you can embed a smart contract in it, all of a sudden it has some kind of algorithm attached to it, and you move that asset, put it as these assets in your universe, um, now you can interact with them, right? So basically, two objects can interact with each other, uh, or or the user control one can interact with one that's not user control because it embedded algorithm in that right so already have a uh, kind of company are thinking about building this kind of assets right not singularity but maybe with some artificial intelligence right and that asset can can be used in this universe can be u- used in another universe right so this is a possibility you have you can build assets and 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 for uh, and leave it to product builder game builder to figure out how to use this kind of assets i can envision a world too it's like you take that asset back out and you t- you're talking to someone, you know, your friend, you're talking to your friend and now between your assets and his assets, you could potentially have real world experiences and relationships between those assets too. Yeah. it could be, you know, uh, you know, it could be as simple as sort of, you know, kind of a, some kind of social game, real world social game is that, Hey, I also, I have an avatar, I have an NFT from, from this, you have an NFT avatar from this other series. And, and if, without you knowing, I say, hey, let's, let's, let's see what happens if we get yeah. them to interact. So there, there could be some, you know, kind of Easter egg, right? It's like you have now, a, you know, like the real world Pokemon type of scenario. Mine is a water type, yours is a fire type. And uh, one one wins, uh, the one other one loses. The one, the winner gets some uh, additional points. And the loser, you know, uh, lose something, right? So so th- there's a lot of possibility here. 
everything we're talking about today kind of comes down to NFTs and and blockchains being these like like a cultural asset layer. Art, gaming. Um, I'm trying to to figure out and going back to like you know the conversation I had with the mayor. It's like, what other industries will this touch? Will it be the relationship between your cultural assets and then now touching other industries, or will they launch in parallel, like the insurance market or uh, mortgages or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's related to your, the, the sort of, you know, the, your financial, right, you need to be a lot more careful with it or you, with your identity, you need to be a lot more careful with it. It's not enough to just represent these things with NFTs. You need to have, you know, kind of the product to help people safeguard their assets. Uh, so, so, and I think those same industry will come along a little bit later for that reason. The user experience isn't there. How people manage their keys right now is not that friendly to most of the people, right? What if you lose and all of a sudden somebody has a lot, a lot of control over your assets? So let's be careful with this. But I mean, I think, you know. How are the, we going to change that? I mean, at the end of the day, you're right. It all comes down to right. like there's a bunch of private keys that one person or a bunch of people are holding that controls everything. Yeah, you know, one step at a time, right? So one of the biggest things right now is it's very scary for people to handle the old key. So you end up having a lot of, you know, sort of custodial wallet kind of scenario. So you go back to having, putting your trust in some yeah. large centralized entity. Um, let's let's look at how do you solve that, that particular problem first, right? Uh, the biggest problem is if you lose your key, you're done. Basically, you lose your private key, you cannot recover assets. Uh, and that is very scary to people. So uh, right now, there, there, there's, you know, you create a MetaMask, you, you you copy down your seeds somewhere. So if you lose it, you can still recover. That is very, very hard for most people. Scary. People don't even have good passwords, right? Let alone keeping some, you know, seed phrases. Um, or you have a hardware wallet, which is also very foreign you know, for most people and doesn't really, you know, it's, it's yet another safeguard, yet another tool to use, but it's also foreign to most people. So we have designed a protocol uh, called Kelp. Uh, it's published a couple of years ago where you have a way to reactively recover your key if you lose it and you can recover it without relying on third party. That's a key thing. So basically all you need is some um, the wallet to facilitate a, a transaction, on-chain transaction to challenge it, say. I lost it, but I claim this is mine. And if no one else claim it and I can prove it, and after some time, rotate the key, basically change your password, and I, I retain ownership of the assets that's just lost. So these kind of protocol is a step towards kind of uh, providing the assurance to people say, hey, I now can change my password. Almost I change my password to recover my account without trusting an, an centralized entity. Yeah, that's the that's what people want at the end of the day. That's a decentralized identity, but the ability to have like if you lose access to get it back without having to go to like a centralized location. That's right. the gold standard. It just makes me think that we're still so early with all of this and we're still building out all the experiences that the users want, what what we think they want and how they want it. Hey, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories and 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 this has been one of the most in-depth episodes I've had in the past few weeks. So thank you for for giving me that and and teaching me a bunch of new things actually, which is 
you know, damn, if I could learn something new every day, that's a good day, right? Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot to learn. Um, you know, we have, uh, uh, you know, a lot of documentation, a lot of examples. Um, you know, I urge you, all the listeners or viewers to go to sui.io. That's S-U-I, which stands for water in Japanese, because it's meant to be this boundless, you know, kind of layer one. Anything's possible. So sui.io, uh, please take a look. Uh, we're very proud of work. Um, so, so happy you're giving a chance to sort of at least talk about it a little bit. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'll talk to Thank you soon. You, Charlie. Take care.